Welcome to episode 14 of the Faith in Real Life podcast. Technically, if we were to count these in numerical order, it would be episode number 13. But guess what? My name is Amy Dolphy, and I don't do details or math. Uh, my name is James Thompson, and I did not notice that we had skipped a, uh, a number either. James is really into the podcast. Yes. Okay, so today we are excited to have a brand new guest to chat with us, and you all know him as Pastor Marquise. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> He's got his own cheering section. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we that our purpose here is to discuss how God's message to us through the Sermon on Sunday impacted or is continuing to impact our everyday lives. And so every now and then one of the pastors joins us, mostly to keep us on the straight and narrow, probably also to improve ratings. So there you go. Tell us where we totally got off base on our interpretation of the sermon. Today we are going to get into the sermon, uh, but... Pastor Marquise has kind of a really short window, so we thought we would just kind of treat this as a little meet and greet at first, because we'd all like to get to know him better. So we're going to ask him just a few meet and greet type questions, and then we might get to the sermon before he has to get out of here. Pastor Marquise, my big question was, at what point in your life did you know you were called to the ministry, and did Mm -hmm. you fight it? What did that look like? Uh, So I'm actually kind of jealous of people who have that big aha moment in their life because mine wasn't that way at all. Um, I was just a good grandson to my grandmother, so she enforced that I be at church every Sunday. I looked my Sunday best. I participated. And so out of that, I went to Lakeview Conference Center Mm -hmm. for, like, district camps during the summertime that we have. And there was an opportunity to uh, lead a devotion and I just knew I needed to take that opportunity because of my grandmother. She would probably kill me if I passed it up. And so I was like, all right, God. Um, and I led the devotion. I preached out of a King James Bible, which was nice. an interesting interpretation and to say and read. Uh, and afterwards, I felt very comfortable doing that. And then some other pastors said that they could see that in me. And so that night, um, I think that was a Thursday morning, and so that Thursday night, I gave my life to Christ, um, and I decided, you know, I'll be a pastor. I think that's where God is calling mm-hmm. me. And so ever since then, I've kind of been on a journey with discerning that. That right. was at 15 back in 2008, so yes, I'm 25. And I was doing the math. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I thought I would just help everybody. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm 25, and that was 10 years ago. And so since then, I've been discerning it because I knew being a United Methodist, you are itinerant as right. a clergy person who is an elder. And so I was like, ah, how does that fit with family life? Um, because my father was away a lot when I was a kid due to his job and work, and I didn't want to do the same. So I've been discerning, and I've done internships at various churches and uh, with Bishop Swanson in Mississippi and non-denominational church and all types of stuff to kind of help clarify where I feel God is calling me. So it's right. been a fun little journey. So, where, I, mean, I mean, just where were you, uh, where were you raised? Where did I was raised in Houston. Okay. Good old Houston, Texas. Texas. Yeah, Houston, Texas. I was about to say Houston, Texan. <laughs> yes, I am a Texan. Where did Sean Tall come into the picture? Like, when did you meet her? So, we met last spring, um, spring 2017, 
that's when we started talking and getting to know each other. And everything was kind of pretty fast. I mean, we started to get to know each other. We talked about our future. We talked about our present. And then we had a hard conversation about our past, getting everything out of the way. Um, and so we decided to, that was in March, uh, March and April. And then May 9th, uh, we decided to, to date and to move forward with that. And then the summer, we had a great summer together in Atlanta. And then in the fall, I went off to Ghana for four months, and she went off to Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas. So first time she's away from home, mm -hmm. first time I'm out the country for so long. And then I came back, and everything worked out well while we were away. We actually grew closer. And uh, December 23rd, I proposed to her. November 8th, we're getting married. Wow, that's quick. Yeah, it's very quick. <laughs> very quick. <laughs> it hadn't even been a year since, you know, I proposed, uh, or until I proposed, I guess. All right. So does your grandma approve? You know, I wish my grandmother could, but she has Alzheimer's. You know, yeah. it's fine. I, sometimes I make jokes about it, but yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to tell Missy that y'all were uh, engaged and got, you know, did all that quickly because I think we dated for like five years. Okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was in a relationship for almost seven going into Candler, my grad school. So I was dating somebody high school, undergrad, right until Emory, my master's. Wow. So I know that seven years feels like in comparison like a year and three months. And she's going to, I guess she had a call or what is it? She's going to uh, DTS for... Like for her to be a pastor as well or for some other reason? So it, hers is, I think, very honorable because she did grow up a PK as a pastor's kid. So her parents are non-denominational pastors. They planted a church that's thriving uh, in North Atlanta. And then she also worked for a megachurch in the youth department and did life groups and led life groups and stuff. So she's had a lot of experience in ministry. She was also a youth director at her church. Um, so doing ministry is just her life. And what she wanted to do was become a teacher or a leader in ministry. And in her, um, in her mind, in order to effectively do so, she needed to equip herself to do so. And so she went to, to DTS for that. Um, and being non-denominational, it allowed her to actually have more of an open view of seminary schools. Because when you're Methodist, you really just want to go to the Methodist ones because they're going to pay you and give you scholarships. Um, but when you're non-denom, it really isn't an open field. I was wondering, because Emory is, is a Methodist, I think. Right. Duke. And there's a handful that people don't realize are also Methodist. Right. Yeah. Actually, USC used to be Methodist. They used to be called really? the Fighting Bishops. I did I not did know not that. I did not know that either. Um, one thing that is lost on the podcast, um, because there's no vi video, is that when uh, Marquis said PK, uh, <laughs> Miss Dalkey to my left started doing the raise the roof sign. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> to, let, to let us all know that she is a PK, as I am as well. I, oh, I know, okay. because I just got really excited because if Chantal ever joins the podcast, it would be like three preacher's kids. And, I mean, that's, ah. you know. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the um, you know, you have to be prepared. It's not as bad as it used to be with the Methodist Church moving you in the oh, itinerant yes. part. Because it used to be mandatory, like they would move you every three or four years. Right, right. And when you have children, like when I was growing up in high mm -hmm. school, that was a big concern, and then fortunately, right when I was hitting, I think it was freshman or sophomore year, they changed the rules, so as mm -hmm. long as it was a mutual agreement that you could stay a right. little bit longer. But yeah, that was really hard, and my mom, of course, mm -hmm. preacher's wife, was like, I don't know about this. 
She's going into her going into it with her eyes open, and that's good. That you can stay a little bit longer is great. That was one thing I appreciated about the process this year. I'm not sure if it came from Bishop Jones, but for those of us who were up to be commissioned, we interviewed with three senior pastors. So whatever the cabinet decided were the top three choices for us to be appointed at, uh, we interviewed with those three senior pastors. So I got to interview with John and have a conversation before I was appointed here just wow. to see how it would all work. And they also solicited our concerns and where we wanted to be located. So I was so happy to be in the Houston area. I grew up Baptist. Mm -hmm. I have never been familiar with the Methodist system until like 13 years ago when I moved here. And my husband grew up Methodist. How far does our district expand? Like where could you be? So uh, the Methodist church is very bureaucratic and uh, it does model the U.S. government, of course. Mm -hmm. And so for us, you can have a local church that will belong to a district and then you have a cluster of districts that will belong to an annual conference in which a bishop presides over that. And so this district that we're in is the Southwest District, and so it's predominantly, if I understand correctly, outside of the loop in the Southwest area. Now, we do have a West District that will cover, I think, I'm not sure if Sealy and more West is in our district or if that's in West District. Yeah, so in the annual conference, when you get appointed, you can actually get appointed anywhere from Texarkana to Nacogdoches, Lufkin, kind of East Texas area, all the way down to Galveston, okay. Beaumont, and all of that. So it's it's a lot of space. Yeah. It's a lot of space. Yeah, I grew, I grew up in the Southwest Texas conference, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. That was in the near Brownsville and Laredo, mm-hmm. and then they did away with that, and now that's part of the Rio Grande yep. conference, mm-hmm. um, which I think is that's where Ben went over to that conference. Right. So, and I and I don't know this, and I probably should. So, when you let's say you got your degree, mm-hmm. so let's say you went, you want, do you apply to a particular conference then, annual conference um, to be appointed in that region, or how does that work? I want to say that. Is based on the conference you get confirmed in or uh, certified in. At some point, before you can even become a pastor and get commissioned and all that, you have to be a certified candidate for ministry. And I'm pretty sure that whatever conference you do that in will be the conference that you'll move forward in the process. Okay. Uh, but if you do change it, then if you do want to change conferences, then I think that there is a process for that. Uh, I knew a guy when I was at Cascade UMC in Atlanta, he came from Princeton and was Baptist, but he wanted to be a UMC pastor. And so uh, he had a great degree from a recognized school that our, I think UMC Senate recognizes. I forgot the name of the board, but it's one that recognizes mm-hmm. theological schools. And so he had to spend a year's time at Cascade in a Methodist church, and then he can move to be certified candidate. And then I think a year later he could be commissioned or something. Yeah, and that's a big deal. I had a friend who was a who was a Baptist pastor, mm-hmm. wanted to be a Methodist pastor, and they're like, "You need some schooling, right? Because right. <laughs> you need an MDiv." I would be curious to talk to that guy and to the the guy <laughs> you know too, because just it, at the end of the day, grown more and more, I'm I'm just Jesus. I'm just a Christian because I know what I believe. Some of my beliefs align with Methodism. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, or I wouldn't be here. But on some things, I am pretty Baptist-oriented, mm-hmm. and so right. it's a leap, I think, to mm-hmm. hear from somebody 
that's a Baptist pastor or in a Baptist seminary saying, I want to be a Methodist pastor. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, apparently it takes a year to get the Baptist out of you, but apparently... <laughs> I think you've it takes a 13, lot longer than that. You've been here 13 years and you're still holding on. I think it actually <laughs> takes a lot longer than that. So what do you like to do? We know John likes to surf, because that's We know John likes fire. to surf. But I think to some degree, as as a congregation, we forget that the pastor has a life. Like, right, they're not right. always at the church. Right. And there are activities that mm-hmm. you guys enjoy. So, I mean, what do you do? So for me, I actually like to work out. So I'm kind of a workout junkie to my detriment because I'll spend two hours in the gym sometimes. Uh, so I like to work out and eat. Those are like top two things for me. Balance. Got to yep. balance it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love good barbecue. I actually put Chantel uh, onto barbecue because she was having barbecue in uh, Atlanta. And I was like, no, nah, this really isn't barbecue. Not the right kind. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to teach you about Texas. And so... Those two things, but really, I also love to read. So even though I'm done with school, I still love to read. So within a week or two after me graduating from Candler, uh, my master's program, I was in another book finishing it up. So I like to read, work out, to eat, spend time with family, and get out in nature and explore new things and uh, experience new things. So one of the things Chantel and I like like to do is to try new restaurants mm-hmm. and to go to different parts of town and to walk around and, and see what the community is like. What kind of things you like to read? Is it like stuff for? I mean, is it all Bible all the time? Is it no? There's another book on Paul. There's right. another. <laughs> I think for me, I do like ministry books mm-hmm. um, and leadership books, but I also like philosophy books. So Stoicism and Aristotle. Plato, some of those things, when I can get the translation in English. Epicurious, uh, he was one of my favorite philosophy, well, one of my favorite ethicists, the Epicureans and stuff. So I just like reading that because I have a background in philosophy. Anything that's dealing with mental and and ways of life, it's kind of like stuff I love. Well, you mentioned Plato in your sermon. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was 300 pages of Greek. Yeah. I know, and I, I was actually <laughs> going to say, after you said that you love to read and mm-hmm. you love to work out. I was going to say, we could be friends because I love that stuff. But then you talked about Plato and Epicurus. <laughs> and I mean, on my nightstand right now, because I, I right. read all the time. And mm-hmm. I do have like, um, I'm in the middle right now of an Acts commentary. Okay. And then, but I'm also re- reading Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. So okay. I'm very shallow mm-hmm. or I'm, very deep. It's just. And I was thinking you need to bulk up some, so. <laughs> right? Grow some muscle. Deadlift and. No, no. Okay, I'm not a workout freak. Let me rephrase. She likes to run. I like to run. Okay. And okay. she's allergic to spandex, right? No, to running. Not to spandex. <laughs> I thought, no, when you had that. When I had anaphylactic shock, it was because of an allergy like a food allergy oh I'm sorry I thought you said you said you were allergic to money <laughs> well it is it's like only happens when I run and it's okay we don't have to talk about this oh well I know it's just so complicated <laughs> but I thought you I'm sorry I remembered that Spandex. wrong <laughs> I think that's what you made up in your head as Roger Clement says I misremembered that no. yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway we can segue now into the sermon if you'd like absolutely you more questions yeah I, I listened to it this morning again you know, you had mentioned about reading all these books about leadership, and one of the first things I thought of when I was listening to your sermon is, how do you how do you die well? Mm-hmm. And then, what did you say, the resume of the dead? Mm-hmm. Um, and your obituary. Mm-hmm. 
reminded me of this uh, Franklin Covey or Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey. Covey. Mm-hmm. Franklin Covey is the name of his company. But he does that. He says, start with your obituary right. and work backwards. Right. right. And then that's part of his leadership sort of right. deal and, and getting your, your priority straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing I thought of. I pulled out the book off the shelf, dusted it off because I don't refine my sharpen my yeah, edge whatever it is sharpen your saw <laughs> yeah sharpen your saw and I, but I thought man that was um, I thought it was a great way to start how do you die well and that really is what that's what funerals are and I've right. been to one recently and that's it is sort of like this person just wasn't here mm-hmm. yeah. for so many years mm-hmm. they actually did certain things and so we mm-hmm. should be I guess it's really sad when you have to make a stretch for it like um yeah they yeah. were married and now, you know, they have like very, you know, you start talking about their relations and the kids that they had because right. um, we don't know or, you know, it wasn't a mm-hmm. well-known. Mm-hmm. I think that what was very eye-opening to me is, and I can't remember exactly what you said, but you made some reference to the resume being something that's like somebody wrote to justify that they were a right. good person or did good things. And right. that was like, whoa. Yeah. How incredibly sad. Yeah. I mean, that's so too, because when the time is up, the time is up. And so uh, I didn't make mention of this afterwards. I was like, ah, I should have. But <clears throat> time is the one thing that we can't get back. Mm-hmm. And so in redeeming the time, it's making the most of something that you can't get back at all. And when people die, we try to say, well, this is how that they redeemed it. This is how they used the time that they had. Right. And they try to justify their life by the accomplishments and things of that nature. So it's like the resume of the dead. It's a snapshot of the big pictures. You started. You started with this thing that my dad uses in a uh, that I've heard him say many times. I'm sure he stole it. Uh, I think without plagiarism. But he uh, he says his job as a pastor was to comfort the uncomfortable and make the comfortable yeah. uncomfortable. And you right. said comfort the afflicted and afflict the the comfortable. Right. And and I was just thinking. I think. I wonder if people got that. Like, I mean, you said it. You said it really. You said it quickly and as a matter of fact. And I thought, man, that is that is an unsettling in and of itself. Right. Like, my goal of this message, if God is going to answer my prayers, if you're sitting there comfortable, <laughs> boom, is to make you uncomfortable. And I right. think there was a lot of challenging aspects to it. I mean, you challenge people. Um, you got that last minute one that you said, "What kind of fruit are you doing?" And that, right. I could tell, I mean, it really did seem like that was something that you must have just been laid on your heart to say because mm-hmm. it didn't quite, I mean, it wasn't right fit, fitting, I, I knew where you were, you were going, right. so you kind of stopped, here's a commercial for God, and then you're like, I'm going to get back to my message, and, but it, I mean, it was, it was so, it was such a great uh, challenge at that point. That was the thing that, mm-hmm. I, that people took. Okay. I, I have chills right now thinking about it because... That evening, somebody posted that on Facebook. Wow. Somebody meant, like, as this is what our pastor challenged us to do today, and clearly she was taking it seriously. Right. A couple of other people, just in passing, mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And even my 12-year-old son, who I'm always curious if he's paying attention Mm -hmm. or not, he made reference to it later. Wow. In in the (laughs) afternoon. To me, I think that you could take that as a confirmation that that was the Holy Spirit. That absolutely was the Holy Spirit. Now, the way that I've taken it since then is I found myself yesterday morning thinking that I needed to encourage Luke. You know, what fruit are you producing? And I got really hung up on how am I going to encourage him? And then I thought, maybe I just need to worry about what fruit I'm well, this morning at breakfast, I was telling the kids, so how can you tell if a tree is an orange tree? And they're like, like you know, give daddy that you're dumb. You know, it's got oranges on it. <laughs> and I, so I said, you need to chop it down to find out it's an orange tree. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, do you need to be sitting on it? Do you need to be standing next to it? 
can you be two feet away? And so I was trying to, to sort of impart this sort of thing that you should be able to see that it's an orange tree from far away because right. Right. of all the fruit that's on the tree. It was sort of an interesting deal. And it really is sort of a really easy way, at least to get the idea that, that that's being trying to right. be relayed, is that mm-hmm. you will demonstrate these things mm-hmm. if you have the indwelling. And I thought, I mean, I thought right. that was great. Whatever's in you will eventually come out. Right. When you said redeeming the time, as I, I went back, as usually we do, I went back to the verse that, that was the text for your sermon. And the version that I have says, make the most of every opportunity. Right. Which does not, does not convey sort of what you were expressing. And so mm-hmm. then I, I, I did the whole thing where I went to the, 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 the Greek and the, yeah, the Bible right. Hub yeah, thing. Yeah. And it was the redeeming of the time, which is such a better... Right. It, it fits so much better. And I'm making the, you know, and making the most of every opportunity is great, but um, the redeeming the time and the time being, of course, what you said was right. the time that we live in. Mm-hmm. I just thought was, it was it's a, it's a very powerful message that we, we have the time, and you were mentioning earlier, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. What did we do with it? What are we doing with it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's so true. And that's why sometimes, uh, I don't know Greek, Chantel knows Greek, so... <laughs> I'll use her as a resource, but I will go back to the Greek through Bible Hub or Blue Letter Bible. Mm-hmm. That's another good one. And then I'll also look about three or four other translations to see how they translated their phrase. Because that phrase actually is very unique, and I was having a hard time understanding it in the commentaries, what they were trying to convey. But when I saw Redeeming the Time, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Well, what was convicting is when I went back through, I go word for word. I'm like, because mm-hmm. I... I you know, I've said this before, as a lawyer, I, I look at the purpose of why that word is there and then right. why, why words are not there. So mm-hmm. um, it was to be how you live, not as unwise, but wise. So I looked at wise. Mm-hmm. And wise takes some effort. It's a cultivation of knowledge. So right. it's, it's an active sort of learning what God has for us and the learning mm-hmm. about God. And it's not just, you know, being intelligent in the ways of the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more than that. And I right. thought, wow, I just... If I'm not actively doing Bible studies or, or you know at least reading the Word, then mm-hmm. um, I'm falling down. I'm not being wise. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Y'all have teaching me some things that I should have brought out in this sermon. You know, afterwards you're like, oh man, it's so much more. But well, you only got you mean you only have yeah. 20 minutes, honestly. So what, what I like is, and I, I've said this before, I like the multiple references mm-hmm. when you're when you're using one text and you can find justification or extensions of that one text. And throughout the Bible, it mm-hmm. shows a consistency of message that I think is, right. is I think it gives a lot of, of um, credibility to your interpretation. And it shows people that, hey, if you want to, you know, you can, this thread is there if mm-hmm. you're looking for it. Uh, right. And I find that very comforting, especially with the Holy Spirit thing. It's mm-hmm. for I was talking to Amy before you came in that you said, live, uh, die a good life means you have to live a good life, which means that you, um, how do you do that? You have the indwelling of the Spirit. Um, we, in our Sunday school class, we're doing a Francis Chan. Okay. Crazy oh. love. No, no. A forgotten God. Yeah, doing, right. yeah, sort of the Holy Spirit is sort of forgotten. It's, mm-hmm. most people focus on the other ones or they think it's like a spigot of power right. and it's an actual third part of the, the Trinity, but it seems like it, it all sorts of starts to click, so there's obviously a message that we're mm-hmm. supposed to be giving. Right. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit, for me personally, I've been—I mentioned it in our Sunday school class. That it's one that I don't—I don't focus on or haven't mm-hmm. focused on, and I'm trying to learn more about. Mm-hmm. And Francis Chan is saying, "There's actual verses that says, hey, pray for the Spirit; you'll right. get it.' You know, <laughs> we don't do that. 
Yeah, and I've, I've been in charismatic circles uh, where I've had certain experiences in the spirit that have been very, very distinguished and unique from anything else I've had. I mean, I've, I've witnessed people perform exorcisms. I've participated in divine healings and uh, speaking in tongues. So as that's the whole, like, it's just, it's just different when the spirit right. is really empowering you to do certain things. And I think that sometimes what we forget as Christians is that we each have, when we, res- when we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we also receive a spiritual gift. So we may naturally have a certain skill or something that's good, but it's not a spiritual gift until God dwells within us to use that for God's purpose. Mm-hmm. But each of us has a gift. Okay, so Marquise needs to go. So <laughs> say what you didn't say. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the time. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think um, I think uh, it was interesting because after I preached in the ten thirty, I haven't shared this with anyone except actually not even with Chantel, but. I think it, it went well. Like afterwards, I heard God's voice tell me, uh, "You did, you did well. You did exactly what I wanted you to." And sometimes when we do something in life, we walk away from it and we come back and evaluate it and we see the changes that we would make. But I'm really grateful that it was an impact on people. It is important for us to live a certain way because one day we will die, and the Bible was pretty clear on us having to answer for what we did in life. Mm-hmm. And so the time that God gave us that is limited, what do we do with it is such a good question. Because at the end of it all, hopefully we can hear him say, you know, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Why don't you come on up and enjoy the fruits mm-hmm. of the kingdom? Um, and it won't be depart from me. Right. You know? We thank you for showing up yeah. today. He has a meeting with the bishop. It's a table. Which clearly outranks yes. us. So. It's a table talk over um, Memorial Drive UMC, which I'm sure we will hear Probably something about this weekend, um, dealing with the one way forward mm-hmm. and all of that discussion. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming. Well, thank y'all. Maybe we can exchange books. You could. Crazy Rotations is really good. It's funny. I would love to. I'm, <laughs> I'm a book nerd. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. See y'all. ya. Thanks for having me. Going going back through the the scripture, I thought. I mean, there was so much in that in that sermon that a lot of references to other scriptures that we didn't get chapter and verse, but mm-hmm. just general references to that. And usually they're scriptures that we've heard before. Right. I really did came, come away convicted on my, my sort of my lack of knowledge on the on the Holy Spirit. I got to learn more. What God's been telling me, it does fit. It totally fits, actually. But it's almost like he he's been trying to get me to understand that the only life I live is like in the moment. I'm not in tomorrow yet, but that's where my mind is a lot of times. Like, what's this going to look like? How's it going to go? you know, blah, 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 blah. And I miss being present. And that sounds so weird. It's like he's been pulling me back to be like, okay, just live right now. Live right now. But in conjunction with that, the last couple of weeks in Sunday school, it's been it's been walk by the Spirit. And that's a decision I have to make now. Like, I can't decide tomorrow ahead of time. Okay, at 10 o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to live by the Spirit. That's a, a right now thing. Like my choices, the choices that I make are, I mean, largely in the moment. No, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I think that we spend a lot of time. Well, this is this is the interesting thing. And it, he mentioned that we tend to, to, to get clarity and focus from funerals. Right. And I think that's part of it. Right. Somebody will die. And then the people in that family know that that person had anticipated either going on a trip in, right. in the fall or, you know, this Christmas they were right. going to do this or they were, somebody was going to buy that person, that, you know, their birthday gift or whatever. And 
and that's because the, the, the exact time of death is typically not anticipated. Right. And so I think that's, and then you, you get a sense of focus as to, well, what's important. Right. And I think we spend a lot of time in the future and not dealing with the, the present. Uh, for example, Missy went on a trip last, she was going to go see the meteor shower. Mm-hmm. And then two days into, she was going to be gone for a week and then come back. And two days in, her, her grandmother fell and, and um, broke an arm. And uh, it was a serious break. And so she came right back. But, you know, that wasn't in the plan. Right, we didn't exactly. have plans for grandma to get hurt. Um, and thank goodness she's doing all right. But it's, it's those types of things that happen bring us back into um, focus on what is important. Right. Exactly. Um, and that is, you, you mm-hmm. can't anticipate living in the spirit at 10 tomorrow. Right, exactly. But it's safer to do that. Because if I say, I'm going to do, I, I'm going to be mindful tomorrow to do what Jesus wants me to do. I mean, and that's a good thing. I'm not downing that. But if we do that at the expense of not being aware of what how we're living now, I mean, it's just easier to be uncomfortable if I say, I'm going to be uncomfortable tomorrow. Well, and that kind of ties into his whole uh, analogy with the hangover, the hangover thing. Right. Exactly. Uh, if you if you only get the spirit on Sunday, then you're, you're, that's that forward thinking. You're only going to do it on a, on a particular day. This verse, though, it, it, it this is interesting. When I'm whenever I'm doing a Bible study or I'm reading something and I come up with a concept, Missy's doing her own, and it, it sometimes overlaps. And so for this one, I was telling her what the what the verse was that we we're dealing with making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. She had just read Jude 4, which talks about, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God and do a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. What makes the days evil? And it's, it's sort of this sort of, you have people that we trust sort of also saying things that, okay, well, that's not necessarily what God meant by that, and it may not be actually accurate. So the days are evil, and the more that you are wise, the right. more you can sort of hedge against that. So I was like, wow, because she was telling me, I just read a conversation about Jude. I didn't realize Jude was one of Jesus' brothers. I'm like, she's like, have you ever read that much about Jude? And I'm like, not sarcastic. I was like, Jude's a book? What are you talking about? It's like one, it's like one paragraph, I think, or one chapter. Mm-hmm. But sure enough, it's, it's chock full of good stuff like that. It's like we need to be on guard because there are those among us that try to lead us astray. Mm-hmm. And how do we combat that? By being wise, by right. knowing what God's word is. Um, and that also goes back to the, the later part of Ephesians, which is if we're singing hymns or telling hymns to each other and verses and, and having spiritual songs, that we're going to be in the right place. Right. And we'll be able to, to hedge against that, especially right. if we're with others. Another thing to go into the walking by the Spirit and redeeming the time, you're making the most of the time, however you want to phrase that. We also talked about that in Sunday school. So it's like pretty clear that God's saying something. The Spirit has gifted me uniquely, and He's gifted you uniquely, and He's gifted each one of us so uniquely for the benefit of the people in our lives. Our presence in somebody's life is designed originally to make them better, to encourage them to you know, whatever that gifting is. It's supposed to benefit the people around us. Made me think how crucial it is that we are walking in the Spirit so that we're carrying out that role that we've got. It made me take a good, hard look at how I spend my time. If I'm just doing what I want to do on, I mean, any given day, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time, like, looking at fashion bloggers on Instagram. 
I'm probably going to have the Kardashians going in the background or the DVR version of The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, whichever one's in season. And while scrolling Facebook, while scrolling Facebook, <laughs> and it's like we do, I, I do such mindless things on a day to day basis, and that, that's time I'm never going to get back. And I'm not saying that we can't, like, I'm not going all extreme and saying no more reality TV, but at the same time, I do need to be more aware am I carrying out the gift that God has put in me for others? Yeah, and I mentioned this before. Uh, it's amazing when people that aren't, I mean, aren't giving us sort of a religious take on things or a spiritual take on things come up with stuff that, that is like sort of universally true. And so um, I'm right now listening to on my, my commute into work is eating the frog. Mm-hmm. And it's all about focusing your time and energy. And one of the things it tells you to do is the whole concept is Mark Twain said, eat a frog in the morning and the rest of the day will get better. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And so this guy takes that concept and says, if you have a frog to eat, if there's something you don't want to do, eat it in the morning, be done with it. Right. Um, It doesn't get any better by staring at it. Right. Uh, Just eat it. If you have two frogs, eat the ugly one first and just get it over with. Uh Um, And so it's it's one of those things where it says, focus on what you've got to do and then identify those things that suck your time away that are not moving toward that goal. And right. so here, our goal is to learn more about what Christ's message is, what God's will is, and then do something every day that gets you a little bit closer to that, right. which is your, your Bible study or what have you. But it's And then identify those things that distract you. And sure enough, for me, it's going to be you know Facebook. It's probably TV. Um, it's probably the same for a lot of people. Right. And I think we don't rely on the Holy Spirit enough, or we don't seek the Holy Spirit's assistance, and I think we do ourselves a disservice. Well, absolutely, because the only way we're capable of living the life Jesus called us to live is by the Spirit. Yeah. Period. And ironically, it's the one that we dismiss 80% of the time. Yeah, and and that's how we live a good life, so that we can die a good life. On my cemetery thing, my headstone? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I want it to say something good. I don't want it just to have my dates. I don't know. I'll have to table that and think about it later. Well, Covey would say, write out your... Right. Your, what is it called? Is that the epitaph? The, the, the eulogy? No, the um, what's on your headstone. Whatever that is. Uh-huh. Write that out and then work to get there. Yeah. Eat that frog. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Well, I'm sure this conversation has enriched the lives of the 10 of you who listen, but we're out of time. Before we go, I wanted to give you a heads up that Pastor John's next sermon series starts this Sunday. It's going to be on tough questions. Now, here's the thing. When we come up against tough questions as believers, our source for answers shouldn't be Google or the latest viral article on social media. And frankly, If your BFF isn't that solidly rooted in scripture, you probably don't want to rely on his or her opinion. See, the world has this idea that if something is prevalent or common, that must mean that it's acceptable. But that's not how God works. God doesn't change. So just because there's a popular trend, even if it's a popular trend in the modern day Christian culture, This does not mean that God has given his thumbs up on that. This is something I am 
diehard passionate about. In an age where information is more accessible than ever, we have to be diligent to know what Scripture says about a thing. Because if we don't, then we are so easily swayed by the, the opinion of others, or we're swayed by how we feel in the moment. Let's not be those people. Let's be people who know what God says, who know God's character so well that we spot a discrepancy when we see it. So that's my soapbox. Don't miss church this Sunday, and don't miss our conversation about it next Thursday morning. And until then, walk in the Spirit, be like the biggest, brightest light in a dark world, and make the most of the time God has given you today.